0: The Lord be with you and your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, o Lord. When the days were completed for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, in accordance with the dictate of the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death, before he had seen Christ, the, the Christ of the Lord he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parrots brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace and according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted, and you yourself a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived seven years with her husband after her marriage, and then as a widow until she was eighty-four. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward at that very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Among the seven sacraments, marriage and holy orders are both known as the sacraments of vocation, or the sacraments of service. And it's interesting that in all the sacraments, there are two that are parceled out, holy orders for the good of the church in the form of sanctification of its people through the celebration of the sacraments, except one of the sacraments. The one sacrament that a priest is not the primary minister of that sacrament is actually a sacrament of marriage itself. It is in the sacrament of marriage when a man and a wife, a woman, profess their vows to one another. They actually minister that sacrament to one another with the words of the vows. Husband and wife become one. And I think that this is important for us to reflect on too because the fact that it is called a sacrament of vocation, a sacrament of service, means that marriage is, yes, obviously it's good for the couple themselves, obviously good for the, the children that they will bear, but ultimately, marriage is even meant for a higher calling. It is meant for the good of the church, for the entire people of God. And we can see that this is exemplified on this Feast of the Holy Family, on this solemnity of the Holy Family, by the Holy Family itself. Obviously, Jesus, as the Savior of all, lied to revelation to the Gentiles, not to just Israel alone. And Mary, we often call her give her the title Mediatrix of All Grace, that through her, grace pours into creation, pours into the Church, pours into her sons and daughters, given to her at the cross by the Lord himself. Then in St. Joseph, not just the patron of our family of parishes, but in fact he is the patron for the universal Church, its defender and protector. We see in the Holy Family itself How marriage is called to be, yes, again, first and foremost focused on husband and wife, but also the fact that those of you who are participants, continuing participants in the sacrament of marriage, are called to be a witness to the entirety of the church, but then also to those who do not yet know the Lord. And I think in particular this is drawn out at the end of the rite of marriage, at the wedding mass, or just the rite of marriage itself, celebrating the liturgy of the word, and the trifold blessing that the church gives to us, that offers to the married couple, the newly married couple, as they begin their new life together. And I think by covering that trifold blessing, we began to get a picture of what the church views for this, and the good of marriage. The first part of that trifold blessing May God the Eternal Father keep you of one heart and love for one another, that the peace of Christ may dwell in you and abide always in your home. We will see this aspect again and again of peace crop up throughout the rite of marriage. And in particular, here that it's close of the rite of marriage. We see here the peace of Christ may dwell in you and abide always in your home. That husband and wife are called to be at peace with one another. Now, that may seem pretty obvious. But the clear call here is that husband and wife are meant to be, as it says earlier in that blessing, of one heart and love. One heart, one flesh, one unit. Husband and wife, man and woman, were made for each other. Here we see their great call that the Lord calls you as husband and wives, as men and women, back into that original unity, the desire between Adam and Eve that was broken by the lie of the evil one. It's the emphasis on the unity of a couple working together to bring forth children, yes, but to even bring forth that peace. Because I think that peace is something that I have encountered many times in my priesthood. There are homes that you walk into, and as you walk in, there's this sort of overwhelming sense of serenity and peace. That this home is a home where two hearts are working together along with their children, and abide always in your home, and that's that part, right? That your homes should be a place of peace for you, for your children, but also for those visitors those who come into your home, even the lowly priests like myself. We see in this the great good of marriage is meant to go outside of itself. In the second part of that trifled blessing, may you be blessed in your children and have solace in your friends and enjoy true peace with everyone. May you be blessed in your children. Here again, again and again throughout the rite of marriage, the church emphasizes that primary end of marriage is the rearing of children, is the bringing forth of children, not just in natural generation, but also in supernatural generation, in the sacrament of baptism, but then also in the continuing education of your children in the faith, of which you are the primary educator. I'm support staff, as are those around you. You see, in this particular blessing here, and even if a couple is unable to have children naturally through adoption, but then even in many ways through spiritual children, they become ultimately bearers, those formators of the future generation of church. Because as I often have to remind people as a priest, I didn't just pop out of a hole in the ground. I came from a family. I came from the love of my mother and father. And ultimately, in order for any of the vocations to be lived out, those families need to bring forth children and raise them in the faith. Priests come from good families. Good marriages come from good families. The church regenerates herself through the sacrament of marriage that all of that those of you who are married participate in. Have solace in your friends. It's important that whether you're friends with people individually, as a couple, that you find solace in them, that they truly be there to build you up. Your friends are not called to be just your drinking buddies. They're called to lead you into virtue, to help strengthen you in your journey of faith, help strengthen you as husband and wife, to not lead you away from your vocation. And in the other direction, too. That your marriage, your example, is also meant to build up your friends, whether they're married or not. And ultimately, then too, to joy, true peace with everyone. That again, the peace of your homes is brought ultimately into the public sphere. That those you meet, whether they are other people at the store, Co workers, whoever it may be. The peace of your home, which is ultimately the peace of Christ, the peace of the Holy Family itself, is called to be brought into ultimately the world. So here again, we see how the church is directing marriage beyond just merely itself. And then the last part of this trifold blessing may you be witnesses in the world to God's charity, so that the afflicted and needy who have known your kindness may one day receive you thankfully into the the eternal dwelling of God. This one in particular to me is always just such a beautiful image, and it's always convicting to myself as well, because it draws upon Matthew 25. What you did for the least of my brethren, you did it for me. Yes, for the material poor, the people that you and your spouse show love to, that that you show charity to, that you care for. Whether they be the poor, marginalized in our communities, materially speaking, whether they're spiritually poor, someone who is struggling greatly in their life currently, whatever it may be. But ultimately, what I love about this image is that those are the people that will welcome us into eternal dwellings. That's a beautiful image. The poor that you cared for the needy that you cared for are the ones who welcomed us into heaven. And it shows here the great importance of a generosity of a couple in their pocketbook, from the generosity of their hearts, their time. Again, most importantly towards each other, the most important relationship you have is with your spouse, even when children come along. And of course, Pouring in to your children the charity, again, most important. At the same time, that love is meant to be poured out into the world, a sign of Christ's love for his church, as it says in our vocations prayer, that we pray at every Mass. And then the blessing ends, as all blessings do, with the blessing of all those gathered. Again, an emphasis there. That God desires to bless His people. Bless those who desire to live in accord with His will, especially a man and a woman united in the sacrament of marriage. Here we see the great good that our Father wants to bestow upon us. Blessing, ultimately, for all those there, represents the importance of finding solace in your friends, of those around you to help strengthen your marriage, to be for, there for you in difficult times. And obviously, I get it. That sounds great, Father. It's high-minded, wonderful. But that's not me. And that's fair enough. But I think we always need to keep the ideal in mind. Because in my own priesthood, obviously, I fall short day after day. I'm called to be a living symbol of the Lord's cross, of Christ crucified. And I fall short of that in so many ways. But at the same time, if I take my eyes off of the ideal, Christ himself, the great saints who have gone on before me like St. John Vianney, St. Maria Escriva, Padre Pio, whenever I take my eyes off that and focus upon how I'm falling short instead of upon what I'm called to be, then I do grow distressed, discouraged, disheartened. When I look up to them, I'm reminded that the Lord's grace is always poured out into our hearts. And so it is for marriage as well. You may fall short of that in many ways, and I'm sure all of you have, because we're all sinners. But at the same time, We need to look to the ideal of the holy family, to look to their ideal in your homes, not to discourage yourself, but instead, because by focusing on the ideal, you see that through the sacrament of marriage, the fact that Christ raised it to a sacrament means that he is not stingy with his grace to those of you who are married, but instead he desires to pour it out into your lives. The grace of matrimony continues to be renewed within your marriage. He desires for you to have an abundance of it. And so it is possible to live it out. And instead of focusing on the fact that I failed 15 seconds ago, a week ago, a year ago, instead focus on the ideal, that His grace is made available to you as a husband, as a wife, as a man and a woman. So that ultimately, you might live out the virtues of the home life of the Holy Family. Living in one heart of love, becoming a symbol of peace in your community, rearing children for God's kingdom to become the future generation of saints, and ultimately caring for the needy among you. The Feast of the Holy Family is a reminder of what G.K. Chesterton said The most extraordinary thing in the world is a love between an ordinary man and an ordinary woman in the Sacrament of Marriage. Live that out simply, humbly, but also with great courage and fervor. And the Lord will do great things, not just for you, your marriage, for your family, your children, but indeed will do great things for our church and all the people of God.